Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Blow Booking Podcast. My name is Derek Cornett, and we are coming at you live and in living color on your mobile listening devices. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had a little bit of a break with the Low Blow Podcast, but we are back tonight with one of the most unique and um, what I would say creative ideas that we've had here on the Low Blow Booking Podcast, and we're going to be coming at you from three different angles tonight. Again, my name is Derek Cornett, and I'm joined tonight by two low blow booking podcast uh partners of mine and i want to welcome both of them in first off patrick uh fenton how's it going my man it's going good how about you guys i'm doing great um so patrick now remind the listeners where you live right now uh i am near Syracuse, new york all right so i'm coming to you from the midwest patrick's coming to you from the east coast and then of course we've got my man uh dave hall coming to you from australia dave how are things going on the other side of the world it is, once again, a lovely day down here in Australia. I don't know what the temperatures are like at your end of the world, but we're sitting with bright sunshine, warm weather, and beautiful day. Well, that's the funny thing. I don't know about Patrick, but we had snow just two days ago, and it's already supposed to be 60 degrees um, in just a couple of days. <laughs> Almost exactly here, too. But... That's a, that's a fun thing about what we've been doing. Um, you know, the three of us have got together a couple of times, and, um, you know, I've worked with both of you guys extensively on podcasts. So um, it's fun to bring you in on this really exciting um, adventure that we're about to go on here tonight. Um, let me set this up a little bit. So uh, the other day, I, probably, what, two weeks ago, Dave, I think I sent you a message, and I said, Dave, I want to do a tournament but I only want to do matches that happened in real life. And obviously the easiest way to would be just to pick a tournament and go through it. But I said, I want to do it with some of the greatest tag teams of all time. Well, we had a pretty difficult time trying to set that up, but we did. And I think we've got a killer roster and a tournament set up here tonight. And then I talked to Patrick and I said, Patrick, you know, we're doing this idea. And we talked about the intercontinental title. And we said, what if we did a tournament? that consisted of only intercontinental title matches and all of the wrestlers had to have wrestled each other at one point in time. And so we started with an intercontinental title one and then we branched out to a WWE and a world heavyweight title one. And just today we kind of narrowed it down. We said, all right, we're just going to do a WWE title tournament. And then Dave, you jumped in and you said, hey, I want to do a WCW one. So fans tonight, We've got three tournaments that we're going to go through. And if we get time, we may, we may pop in the IC title one. But these are tournaments that consisted of matches that had to have happened in real life. And then we set up the brackets around them. So kind of bear with us here as we, as we go into it. Um, so, Patrick, what did you think when I kind of threw this crazy idea at you? Oh, it sounded fun. Um, you know, doing up a tournament with real-life matches and, and trying to figure out. And we did set parameters. Uh, you know, we didn't go over that yet, but, you know, using only pay-per-view matches and or, like, Saturday Night's Main Events and trying to find a bracket that would fit those parameters was hard, challenging, but that's the fun of what we do. Yeah. Dave, what did you think about some of the, the – well, let me, let me speak real quick on the parameters. So we did set it that the only matches that you could use had to have been from a pay-per-view – so we had WCW and uh, WWF. They had to be on a pay-per-view, a Saturday night's main event, or a Clash of the Champions. So no other regular television matches could be used. It had to have been on a mainstream uh, mainstream programming. Dave, what did you think about some of those limitations? I found it. It was. It was. I think it was intriguing, and it was. It was really exciting. But I'll tell you what. It was hard to try and work it out when you when you're looking at matches, and obviously we, we need to tell everyone that we're obviously taking into account the match result as well. So the, the the team or the wrestler had to win their match on that on that event to advance into the tournament and find another match for the next opponent. So it certainly made it interesting, especially. Uh, I'll talk more to it when we get to the WCW one, but. Uh, especially trying to find matches in, in WCW where, where people competed in title matches or in, in tag team matches that you know, competed enough times that you could create multiple rounds of 
up for the tournament. It really was a, a, a tough task. Yep. Well, let's let's give the fans just a little bit of a of a taste of what we're doing here with the tag team title tournament. Um, so I kind of jumped on the lead with this one. Dave and I were both working on it, and um, I came up with this one, and he kind of gave me the go ahead with it. So um, what it ended up doing is I actually created a WWF bracket with eight teams, and I had a WCW bracket with eight teams. So let me run through. Um, <laughs> The, the first round matches that I had here, and some of these may be reaches, but um, you'll see why in a, in, a, in a couple of seconds when I explain it. So we need, we need to obviously highlight, I think we need to highlight to everyone that what we were also trying to do is get some of the best tag team matches we could, oh, yeah. some good matches on there, but sometimes we had to accept that there might be some teams or competitors in this tournament that have had to be put in for the mere fact that they were in a match against a team that needed to advance. Yep. And and another thing to talk about with the tag team tournament is that these matches weren't all tag team title matches. Now, the WCW and WWE world title matches, they are tournaments, those were all title matches. So in order for that match to have been put in this tournament, it had to have been for a title. Okay. Now, I the the tag team one would have been probably impossible to really put together a 16 team tournament for it. But um, I think I came up with something pretty good here. We've got a WWF bracket and a WCW bracket, and then they will meet in the end. So um, my first match was the Brainbusters over Strike Force at WrestleMania Five. My second one was kind of a gimme, but the Hart Foundation beat the Young Stallions at the um, Saturday Night's Main Event Number Twelve. Demolition over the Colossal Connection at WrestleMania 6, and then the British Bulldogs over the Dream Team at WrestleMania 2. So that was my WWF bracket. Obviously, I had to reach out there for that Hart Foundations and Young Stallions match. And some people are probably saying, why the hell are Tully and Arn in the WWF bracket? That's because they didn't really team very much on pay-per-view or the clashes, and their only clash matches they actually lost. Um... It was to Luger and uh, Wyndham, I believe. So um, they really had kind of a, a raw deal. And we will get to one of their matches later on, but they didn't have very many contests as a tag team in WCW in terms of pay-per-view or clash matches. I think that's because you're talking about a team that really they were dominating just before um, pay-per-view really was in, in, you know, encompassed what wrestling became about, I think. Yeah, you know, a lot of their stuff was still on TV and at the house shows, um, and you know they don't have that many pay per view because WCW didn't really enter pay per view world until just before the end of '87. Yeah, it uh, would have been it would have been '88, and they were leaving at the end of the year. Now they did have a tag team match, I want to say with Sting and Nikita, but I'm not sure if that was the right one. But again, Sting and Nikita never wrestled anybody after that, so I couldn't use it. Um, but that was my WWF side with those eight teams. Then I jumped down to the WCW side, and this one gets a little bit more interesting. I guess I did use kind of an NWA match uh, when I used the Road Warriors beating the Midnight Express at Starcade 1986. And then I had the Skyscrapers beating the Dynamic Dudes from the Great American Bash 1989. And probably my favorite match of this entire bracket was the Steiners over the Nasty Boys at Halloween Havoc 1990, which I think is probably... Just one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen. I was so entertained throughout the entire thing. Um, and then we had Doom over the Rock and Roll Express at Great American Bash 1990. So looking at that tournament, is there anybody that I really missed for big tag teams in this era? Um, I th- I th- there's obviously a couple of key WWF tag teams that haven't made the cut, like teams like the uh, the Rockers and, and the Rougeos. But the, again, it comes down to the fact that uh, the teams that they met on pay-per-view and you know, and who they won. I mean, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of big-name matches that they were involved just one-on-one that that ended in a in a result that would assist uh, the tournament brackets. Yeah, Patrick, what do you think about some of those teams there? Did you did you see anybody that was a glaring miss? Uh, not a glaring miss. I mean, you got a lot of the, the big names, especially in, in this era that you're talking about, late '80s, early '90s. Um, yeah, like you said, the Rockers are probably the only one that I would have mentioned out of that team. You know, out of that, that would I would have liked to have seen. But like he said, the matches you had available, it was hard to put them in. Yeah, you know, the thing about the Rockers is that they really did 
they had a pretty good run, but um, it was it was difficult because one of their one of their major victories was against the Brainbusters. So I had to then figure out a way that I could keep the bracket moving with them. Um, and they, I mean, they've had notable losses to like Power and Glory and the Orient Express. So that's not going to necessarily help me in the long term. And, and they've also a lot of their early early events outside of those Brainbusters wins were were losses as well. Like they lost to the uh, uh, the Twin Towers at WrestleMania. Yeah. They, uh, they 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 didn't have a lot of big success early on on pay per view. Yeah. So let's jump to the second round here. The Brainbusters over the Heart Foundation from SummerSlam 1989, a great match. And then the next one was Demolition over the British Bulldogs from Saturday Night's Main Event number 16. So I've set up that big Brainbusters versus Demolition match. On the WCW side, I have the Road Warriors over the Skyscrapers at Halloween Havoc 1989, one of my favorite matches there again. And then Doom over the Steiner Brothers from Capital Combat 1990. Now, Doom actually beat the Steiner Brothers at that same Halloween Havoc 1989, but Doom at Combat, they were uh, they were Butch Reed and Ron Simmons' Doom. I think they were really coming into their own around that time. And would you guys agree with me that Doom may be one of the most underrated tag teams of all times? I would I would say they certainly are. I mean, I know when they first came in, I remember that, that 89 match against the Steiners, and they were really perceived as... Yeah, they had the mask on. They were really perceived as a bit of a joke, and it really wasn't seen as much. And then you know, they got their butts handed to them at, um, at the Starcade you know, a month or so later, and they really weren't much of anything. Yeah. And then they took the masks off, and they started. You know, they started to wrestle. They started. Their matches improved. I think they got their timing together, and they were perceived as a. In, in a better way once they got rid of those masks and, and picked up Teddy Long as well. So, you know, they, they were, I think they're very underrated. They're two very good, you know, tough blokes in the ring. And, I, you know, their match against the Steiners, they were hard-hitting affairs. Yeah. yeah. Patrick, do you have anything to add on the on Doom? Uh, no, I think you guys pretty much covered that. Um, you know, like I said, I really don't hurt because of their short run. I mean, yeah. they were really only around 89 and 90. They were broken up by the early 91. Yeah. And, and some people are probably saying, well, why the hell wouldn't you pick a Steiner Brothers match in which they win? Well, here's my problem. The Road Warriors won, and the Road Warriors never beat the Steiner Brothers. And at Starcade 1989, the Road Warriors won that tournament, but the Steiner Brothers actually beat them in the tournament. So, again, this is the limitation. I have to keep the bracket moving. And so let's come now to the semifinals. I have the Brain Busters over Demolition, Saturday night's main event, 22, and that was the two out of three falls match in which they won the tag team titles. I watched this match the other day. Um, you've got the outside interference by Andre. You've got Bobby Heenan winning the tag team titles. Uh, he had Rude with the Intercontinental title. It was just a fun, fun environment, a fun match, and uh, really a big loss for Demolition because they had had the titles since WrestleMania four at that point. So they'd had the titles over a year and a half. I mean, that was a huge freaking win for the Brain Busters. Now, and, and I'm just going to say, and it just goes to show just what sort of team they were because that that match against Demolition and then the match against the Hearts that we did in the previous round, which is one of my favorite matches and tag team matches of all time, those matches were within a month of each other. Yep, so, yep. you know, they, they were really putting on some real clinics when they were in the WWE. They really picked up that tag title picture in 89 and and that's you know what makes them such a good team now i want to speak to this right here with the brain busters and demolition that's like i went through those are the only real matches that they really had on pay-per-view because now demolition did beat the heart foundation but other than that in in the colossal connection and then the Bulldogs, but they didn't have very many other matches other than that. I looked through all the Saturday night's main events, but then you go to their you go to their uh, their run. So you start at um, we start at WrestleMania four, and then you go to the Survivor or SummerSlam. They beat the Hearts. They don't wrestle at or they they're in tag matches. They're in the Royal Rumble in '89 at WrestleMania five. They beat um, the Powers of Pain and Mr. Fuji. I can't put that match on here. And then you go to SummerSlam again, and they're in the six-man, 
and then you come back around, and they're at WrestleMania six, and then they lose at SummerSlam nineteen ninety, and that's it. You know, they didn't have. And that's, to, and that's not even that's not even the real demolition at that point. Mm-hmm. That's by that time, Crush is already involved. Exactly. You know, and then the Brainbusters, this amazing tag team. These are all the matches that they really had. They only had this series. Um, with they had two matches with Demolition, two matches with the Rockers. And then they had the Heart Foundation match and the Strike Force match. That's all they had that entire run um, that they were in the WWE. It was pretty crazy to think about that. But that's or, the thing. That's the thing about the WWE for that time. That's the same with most of the teams. They've they, they haven't got that many matches. When you throw in the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, you, you, you take out a lot of key television events. Yep. There's there's not a lot of teams that get many matches at all, which was what made the tag team tournament so hard to book. Yep. And what were you going to say, Patrick? Well, I was going to say also, you know, that we're talking about a time period where there was only four pay-per-views a year, and maybe four, you know, four to six Saturday night's main events, depending yep. on you know, what year we're talking about. So the limitations of that compared to nowadays is also, you know, a factor in booking these tournaments. Well, then you talk about you have your you have your four pay per views. You cut two of them out because right. the Busters were in the in the Survivor Series, and then they were in the Rumble. And I love those events, but when you try to put something like this together, it's it's kind of weird to see how they booked things during that time frame. Now let's yeah. let's go to the other uh, semifinal match. I had Road Warriors over Doom at Starcade '89. Again, that's kind of a um, a limitation of. The uh, the bracket and what we had to do, it's not the great match, but it's definitely one where I see Road Warriors going over Doom, um, and, and that's just what happened. Um, I, I want to uh, say uh, that... I, I just want to speak to something you yeah. said before, because you said before you were talking about, for, just for the listener's purpose, you, know, you, you had to find that the Road Warriors had to go over because, you know, the Steiners, they never, you know... The, the fact is, the Steiners in our, in our overall final, the Steiners and Tully and I never met. And so we couldn't afford to have the Steiners go over because they've never faced the, brain the WWF winners. Yep. And, and that's the crazy part is that Capital Combat um, 1990, or was it the Wrestle War 1990, one of the two, um, that was supposed to be the Brainbusters versus um, the Steiner Brothers, but that's when Tully didn't get hired. Ole came in, so you, you kind of run into, uh, you know, some interesting things there. Now, had I put Ole and Arn together, maybe we see a little bit different, but we still have to get to our end product, which is what we have here, the Brain Busters beating the Road Warriors at Starcade 1987. Now, this is a DQ victory, of course, because the Road Warriors aren't losing clean to anybody. Um, <laughs> but for the purpose of our tournament, the Brain Busters are the all-time tag team winners uh, for this event, and I think I think there's you know I think that goes to show you know like the, the team that they are. I mean, we're talking about. I don't think anyone would doubt if you were to put together a a tournament just in general of top teams from that time period. The Road Warriors and Tully and I would be up there as two of maybe the top four teams chosen. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's any any problem with that idea. I think, totally with, yeah, with that top four, I mean, you put you put the Hart Foundation and you put Demolition in there, and then maybe you have the Steiner Brothers at number five, but those are your top five tag teams uh, from 88 to 1991. Would you guys say that? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, but by 88, the Bulldogs were done. Uh, the Rougeos never really stepped into that top spot. The Hearts were always a, a, a strong team. They're one of my favourite teams of all time. Demolition are probably my number one tag team ever. And um, Tully and Arn are probably the greatest sign, the greatest mix, like the greatest tag team wrestlers, I think, that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad their run got short, like you said. If, if Tully would have went to the NWA, WCW in 89-90... Who knows how many more matches we would have had oh. to add to this tournament. Yeah, I mean, gosh, you, you completely changed the tournament. Imagine uh, Tully and Arn versus Doom. I, I that, that, to me, would have been awesome. And I really, I really wanted to add Ric Flair and Arn Anderson versus Doom uh, or Barry Windham and Arn Anderson versus Doom, but I just couldn't put it in there anywhere with the limitations that we had. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, our tag team winners... Uh, the Brain Busters over the Road Warriors at Starcade 1987. Uh, a fun little tournament. Um, I think we're going to get a chance to do this one. 
Patrick, why don't you run us through the Intercontinental title one real quick? Again, the limitations with this are that the Intercontinental title matches had to have had had to have happened and they had to be Intercontinental title matches. Yeah, and again, we only use Saturday's main events and pay-per-views, so that also limitate, limits what we had available. Um, so we start off with Razor Ramon defeating Dean Douglas from the In Your House uh, in October of 95. Now, do you want to go over each match? Or um, not, let, go through the, go through the, uh, the tournament here, and then we'll talk about some of the matches in it. Okay. Uh, the second match of the first round, we have uh, Jeff Jarrett defeating Edge from, I believe it was Fully Loaded, in 99. Um, and then we have Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty from... It would be the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, yep. yeah, sorry. I was looking at that. I was thinking Monday Night Raw for some reason. Sorry, yeah, yep. you're Royal Rumble. And then uh, Mr. Perfect and Tito Santana from Saturday Night's Main Event. And so you look at that first round, and we only got to eight people... Now we talked about if we were to if we were to do this more modern day, we could probably jump this thing out quite a bit. But I think when you look at the quality of these matches, maybe outside of that Razor Ramon Dean Douglas, you're looking at some pretty decent contests and some pretty decent Intercontinental Champions in there. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, and like I said, the limitations were there. Um, you know, when we were putting this together, I was also thinking about Diesel because you could throw him in there, and the match is probably better. Um, I don't even know why we settled on Dean Douglas. I think it was just the name that we had in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, for tournament matches in the first round, yeah, that's really the the dogger of the of the ones. But considering where we're trying to build to, you had to have Razor in there. And and honestly, I'd say if we were going to swap out any match, I mean, I would put Diesel in there. I like that Diesel match from uh, SummerSlam '94. Oh yeah, I totally do too. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the interesting thing. At- to note in all this is that is some of the guys and some of the matches that weren't considered for various reasons. Like, there's no Savage Steamboat, possibly the greatest IC match, certainly for, you know, from 87 to to about 92, 93, was the greatest IC match that ever occurred. We can't put that in. We can't find any way to put it in because Steamboat never never defended the title and never lost it. On a major on a major event, would you um, say would you say that Steamboat is probably one of the weakest Intercontinental Champions of all time? I would say that I think his decisions behind the scenes, just as he won the title, uh, have led to that perception. Yes, because I think his title win over Savage was extraordinary. Yep, and if they'd allowed him to run with the belt and have it for a significant period of time, I think we would be talking him as one of the greatest ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But again, what we said, he never defended the title on a major show. So Yeah, yeah he and also, and also, yeah, and also of note, there's no Honky Tonk Man, no Ultimate Warrior, no Rick Rude. And no Bret Hart. Mm. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Bret Hart's run, he didn't have title defenses. Nope. Uh, you know, he well, wanted the SummerSlam. His title defenses were on TV. I mean, that was his big thing. And, yeah. and all his pay-per-view matches were all losses. He lost to, well, not all of them, but he lost to uh, Mountie. He beat Piper, win it back, and then he lost it to the Bulldog. Mm-hmm. And then he moved up into the into the main event. Yep. Survivor Series and Rumbles killed, killed a lot of that, just like we talked about the tag team tournament. Yeah. All right, Patrick, throw us through uh, the semifinals here. Okay, so we have Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett, and then we also have... Uh, Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect. The Razor Ramon Jeff Jarrett match is actually from WrestleMania 11, and it is a disqualification victory. But again, going over how we advanced the tournament, we had to use that match to get Razor into the finals. And then the Shawn Michaels Mr. Perfect is from SummerSlam 93, and obviously Shawn Michaels won that. Yeah, that wasn't the greatest match of all time. I know that one had a lot of hype, and it didn't really pay off, but still a decent matchup for, for what our purposes are. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those matches where I mean I remember thinking this is going to be an all time classic. I think you had two guys who both wanted to bump for each other, and no one wanted to uh, take the offense. Yeah, yeah. All right, Patrick, what did we pick for the final match then? And the final match is Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, and really you could go either way depending on how you want to go. I believe we ended up going with WrestleMania 10, the ladder match where Razor Ramon won. But you really could have went with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from SummerSlam 95 if you wanted Shawn to win. Yeah, I, I like the WrestleMania 10 match. Obviously, I think it's a better match. Um, do we say that Razor's a better IC champion than Michaels? I would go that route. 
I would I, I think, Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I, I would rank Razor as a better Intercontinental Champion than uh, than Sean. I think Sean really didn't hit his hit his mark as a as a like. I mean, he was always good, but I think he became like exceptional when he really started to move up and started to face off with Diesel and before the year before he won the world title. So I think uh, I think Razor's runs as Intercontinental Champion were probably better and more had some more significant matches than Sean's ever did. I also thought it was more meaningful for Razor um, to create the aura around who he was. Um, that that I mean that's my opinion. I, I like I like what he does there. So Absolutely and Sean you gotta think Shawn Michaels' reigns were kind of lackluster. I mean we had the awesome match from Raw where you know, Marty won, and then he won it back at the house show. But then, like, Sean never lost the title. He got suspended, was gone. And then in 95, when he won it as a face, he got beat up in Syracuse and then forfeited the title. So, like, that lack of passing the torch and passing the title on to somebody else wasn't there either. So that hurt a lot of his intercontinental title runs. And I'm going to ask you right now, Patrick, and I need a serious answer. Were you one of the Marines that beat up Shawn Michaels? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, I would not. <laughs> All right, so again... I do know people that were there, though, and I, and I know what happened, but... Oh, well, wait a second. You're going to have to share that story with us now. Uh, well, I mean, there's, most of it's true. Um, you know, there was there was quite a few guys that were around, but really there was only one or two guys kicking his ass. Um, it's, it's the story that went around. You know, he was flirting with girls. He shouldn't have been. Um, at the time, the click wasn't around because Razor and Diesel were on a tour of Europe, I believe it was. So he was just wasn't hanging he, out with... Wasn't he with Bulldog and Kid? Yeah, he was with Bulldog and Kid. And what had happened was Bulldog and Kid got sick of his crap, went out to the car, and fell asleep, and maybe had, you know, something in their system they shouldn't have had. <laughs> and uh, when they when the fight kind of outside, they were basically... They weren't in any condition to do anything anyways, but they were kind of locked in their car just in case they were. And a couple guys just, you know, took it to him. I tell you what, if I were to see a fight and uh, Davy Boy Smith came up to break it up, I would stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, heard, I've always heard he was just sleeping, and they kind of like jimmied the locks, the, the handles, so he couldn't get the door, door open. Um, and then the kid, you know, I've always heard was kind of on something and was in no condition to help, even if he was able to get out of the car. <laughs> Uh, I think that's, I that's, that's, just, that's such a shocker to hear that Kid might have been on something. Oh. Right? But he's such a nice guy, though. I mean, if you ever met the dude, he's like the coolest guy. But, yeah, you know, back in the day, he didn't make some bad decisions. Well, it sounds like I'm going to need to sit down with Patrick at some point. We're going to have to talk about some of these fun rumors throughout wrestling history and break them down uh, <laughs> and see what happened. Um, so our Intercontinental title tournament, we have uh, Razor Ramon uh, winning the Intercontinental title in, in being the man um, to go along with the Brain Busters as the greatest tag team. So now let's jump to our world title matches. And Dave Hall, you put together a hell of a WCW uh, tournament here using primarily just the WCW title from what I what I see here, um, which is great. And there's only one match on here that I would have flipped, but I want to let you uh, kind of lead the way with this, and I'll tell you which one I was looking at. Well, I have to lie, you did use one NWA title match, but for great reason. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I went through following the same rules, can only have been on uh, pay-per-view or on a Clash of Champions, um, and it was interesting, I actually so I sat down when I worked this out and put listed every, went through every sort of championship defense, and it was interesting to see some blokes, uh, one would only win or lose against each other, so you had a lot of blokes that didn't end up being able to be included in this tournament because the only matches were against like Ric Flair, and Ric Flair had wins against other blokes. So let's go through this. So the first round, our first match is uh, Sting defeating Scott Hall at Uncensored '98, just after he'd won the title from Hogan and before he uh, was uh, lost it again, which. We won't get into that time period, but that was all a bit, bit ridiculous. Uh, and then our second match of, of this first round is possibly one of the greatest ever matches uh, that you'll see on pay-per-view. Uh, certainly the, you know, one of three great matches, and that's Flair beating Ricky Steamboat at Music City Showdown in 1989. Now, I couldn't consider the other two matches because Steamboat 
beat Flair but did not wrestle anyone else in any world title match ever yeah. in the WCW. And the second match was obviously a draw, and we couldn't use that and eliminate either one. So Flair gets the win over Steamboat. Uh, we, at, we didn't want that, to do any dusty booking with this thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, then I've got Lex Luger beating Barry Windham at the Bash 91 uh, to win his first WCW championship. And, uh, you know, they're in the cage and everyone's chanting, we want flair, and Luger turns heel in the middle of the match and it gets met with absolute silence. So not quite the uh, best title win for him, but he's there. And then a match which should never have been on pay-per-view, but Ron Simmons beat the Barbarian at Halloween Havoc 92. We then have Vader beating Cactus Jack at Havoc 93. That's not a bad match, actually. That's a quite a good match. Uh... Hulk Hogan defeats the Giant to win the mat, the title at Hogwild 96 uh, in what I think is one of the most surprising, surprisingly good matches uh, in WCW history. Goldberg beats DDP at Halloween Havoc 98. Oh, yeah. In our, and in our last match of the first round, Kevin Nash beats Randy Savage at Bash at the Beach 99. And just for everyone's benefit, uh, Randy Savage never had a successful championship. Uh, he had one successful championship match on pay-per-view, and that's when he won the title from Sting in 98. Other than that, he has not had a successful... Sorry, uh, he won the title in 99, sorry. He has not had any successful championship matches in the entire history of WCW. Other than winning the, the World War Three in 95 and then losing it to Flair the next month. Yeah, that, that's a, that's again a multi-man battle royal, not a not a one-on-one match. So. Yeah. And and so I guess the one match in here that I would have swapped, and that's because I personally love it, is Sting beating uh, Sid Vicious from Havoc 1990. Yeah, I considered that. I I, I almost had that one in. Um, I guess uh, I, I I don't like all the the shenanigans that went along with it. <laughs> I think that that it sort of detracted from what what could have happened, so that's why I, I, I didn't put that one in. And the only other and, the only other and, match and, I wanted to see was Flair versus Vader, but I think with the way the bracket worked out, this is the way that we're going to have to work through it, so. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that's, uh, that was certainly something I couldn't include. I, I looked at trying to include it, but where I needed to go later in the tournament just didn't allow it to happen. All right. Patrick, what do you think about this first round? Oh, I like it. I like it. You know, I, I looked it over earlier today when I when I heard about the heard about the brackets, and I really liked it. Like, a lot of the matches are, are like you guys said were really good, especially like the Flair Steamboat is a classic. Vader and, and Cactus is is a classic among you know the uh, internet wrestling community, um, and even the Goldberg DDP for those that actually got to see it, because you know a lot of people didn't get to see it that live. Uh, <laughs> but I, and then there's something that Dave said earlier. A lot of these later shows, like, and we'll get to this in the, in the other tournament, multi-man matches really screw with you, too, because oh, yeah. there's a lot of multi-matches on these big pay-per-views. Yep. And the other thing that I found really difficult with WCW is there are a lot of pay-per-view and Clash of Champion events where the world champion is involved in tag team or six-man matches or war games matches or things that aren't one-on-one matches. There are so many events where the world champion is involved in something other than a one-on-one title defense. Yeah, and that that definitely becomes a problem with uh, with you know what you're trying to build towards and, and moving the bracket forward. So, Dave, throw us through uh, the quarterfinals here as we drop from 16 down to eight. So our quarterfinal matches. Our first match sees Ric Flair defeating Sting at Clash of the Champions 27 in 1994, and that's actually a really good match. That's I'm a quite, spectacular I've seen that match. match. On DVD, that's a really good match. I think that's on. Uh, I think that's on Flair's. That on Flair's. Um, Flair's anthology set. That the first one that came out. I think it's on the Clash. Uh, Clash set too. Yeah, so that was a good match. Then we've got Lex Luger beating Ronald Simmons at Halloween Havoc '91, and that, that's actually a good match. I, I oh, really I love that one. That match, and that's a really good match. So that's two um, out of three falls. to show that Luger could actually have some good matches with guys that weren't named Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, our third match is Hulk Hogan beating Vader in a cage match at Bash of the Beach 95. Um, I really felt sorry for Vader in this 
time period. He, he he turned from a monster to a to a little pussy cat in in a matter of months when Hogan turned up, and it's really sad how they treated him at the end of that. The way Hogan just killed him off was just really really bad. And our final match of the first round is the infamous Kevin Nash defeating Goldberg to end his streak at Starcade '98. I look at this round and and maybe if we want to get down to logistics, we we swap out Flair and Steamboat from '89 and make it the Spring Stampede match, which I thought was really good in 94. Um, if you're going to talk about just WCW, not NWA, but regardless of that, I really like the Sting match with Flair from The Clash. Um, it sucks to see Sting go out so quickly, but Sting didn't have very many defenses. Um, if you want to really break it down, you talk about the International Heavyweight Championship, which we're not counting for this, and that's against Rick Rude. So um, I love Luger versus Simmons. That's one of my favorite matches, um, two out of three falls. Um, Hogan versus Vader. I like the Bash at the Beach aura um, outside in the cage. I thought that was a really fun event, and I could care less about Nash versus Goldberg. It's it's kind of a placeholder with what we're trying to do, um, but definitely a very infamous and important match in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Um, and just to, as a kind of side note. We were talking to something earlier, uh, you know, uh, previous on, on a different thing, uh, broadcast, about Ron Simmons' world t- you know, title reign, and, you know, this is where Luger beat him and hit Havoc, and then, you know, he'll eventually win the title in 92. Um, but I, we have a, I, at least I think I did it. I thought I, maybe we haven't discussed this, but I rebooked that where Simmons actually wins the title at Havoc, and then we go all the way through 92. So that'll be something that'll be fun to look at maybe in a future broadcast. I just wanted to, it just kind of came to my mind as we were going through the brackets. I wanted to throw it out there. Oh, for sure. I, I would have loved to see Simmons have a run. I thought it would have been great, but I don't think they were ready to pull that trigger. And especially the way they ended, um, they ended Luger, like, not the way they ended Luger's, but the way Luger ended his run with sort of reaching the end of his dates and not really competing anymore and then bulking up. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to, um, to the, um, uh, the Between the Sheets podcast earlier today, and they were talking about how big Luger got when he lost the title to Sting in early 92, and how he's all blown up, and you know, really sort of ruined the end of his title championship reign. So, uh, you know, Luger, Luger sort of, this is pretty much Luger's last good match before he, before he left WCW. Yeah, exactly, yep. Um, totally agree. And then you think about if you run with Simmons, you know, how does that change Sting's future and stuff like that? You know, and I still think that there's there was money to be had with Vader beating Simmons for the title down the line. Oh, exactly. And Sting is one of those characters that you know, like it's kind of a big. They actually talking about it, on, I believe, on that same program where you know Sting, who is given the title, wasn't the draw that they thought he was going to be. But he didn't need to have the title to be the draw. Like people are going to come see Sting. For Sting, he doesn't have to be in a world title match. So even if he doesn't win the title in 92, he could still be part of the Dangerous Alliance feud. He could still go to the war games and have that and be the captain of that. And then you could have Simmons being the world champion, fighting off, you know, these other monsters. And then, like you said, the big money match would be Vader, but not at a random house show in in August, but maybe at Halloween Havoc, maybe at Starcade. Well, they could have, what they could have done is they could have kept. Like, like you said, Sting feuding with Rick Rude and the Dangerous Alliance over the U.S. title, then Vader beats Simmons, and then you can bring Sting up into that world title picture after he's dealt with the Dangerous Alliance. So, you know, he didn't need that. Yeah, like you said, he didn't need the title when he was feuding with the Dangerous Alliance. Yep, I think it was because it was a mute point because then on the other side you had Vader beating him up outside of it. So um, they really threw, threw that under the bus, in my opinion. Uh, let's talk about these semifinal matches you got here, Dave. Some pretty decent ones. All right. So the first semifinal match is Ric Flair beating Lex Luger at Starcade '88. That is a good match, and Luger was a good worker at that time. And uh, I think that was a, that was that was really well done. And I think a lot of people underestimate Lex Luger in the '88 '89 time period as a worker. And um, and then you've got Hulk Hogan beating Kevin Nash at Road Wild '99 to. Uh, reclaim the title after having missed some time for a while. So there are our two semifinal matches. All right, and and I like I like I I think what you said about the Luger thing from '88 until '91. I thought that Luger was pretty damn good. Um, I don't think that he's the draw 
that people wanted, but damn, he had the body, and he could put out a match when he needed to. I really liked that little series he had with Brian Pillman. I thought that was really fun. Um, I, I, I thought overall Luger Luger had a pretty good little the uh, flair there for no pun intended. But um, again, you know, Ric Flair was the guy that was making some of those decisions, and um, I guess for some odd reason he didn't see it in him. Well, you, if you listen, you listen to. Yeah, read the sheets and read Ric Flair's book. I mean, he, he talks about how he made a promise to... Um, I don't think they were ready for Luger in 88. And then when it got to 1990, they, they made a promise to Sting that they'd get the title on him. So I guess that's why Luger didn't sort of pick it early. But I want to throw out there... You, know, you said 88 to 91. I'd actually throw out there 87 as well. I've actually got on DVD a, a copy of uh, Lex Luger's champ, uh, US title win over Nikita Koloff in a cage match, and that is a phenomenal match. And uh, Lex Luger wasn't was, was no scrub when in '87 either. He really had come along a long way through '87 into '88, so he was a good worker. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think Luger's one of Luger's issues during that time period is he was he's he had the big show effect. He was a face heel, face heel. I mean, he turned probably three or four times just in that time period. Yeah. And then he could he couldn't get the momentum going for a consistent amount of time uh, to really make it happen. Right. Yeah. All right. So we move into our final, and uh, we have you know, w, in our WCW bracket we have the two two men considered the greatest wrestlers of the '80s and and into the '90s, two of the best ever in Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And you've got the opportunity here. The, the sad thing was that. Um, when you're looking at what are you going to do with matches on, on the big cards, they, they met uh, three or four times, and on only one occasion did Hulk Hogan not win. Um, and so our options, uh, I, I prefer a Flair victory, and Flair beats Hogan in uncensored 99, but that's not a great match. Um, and of course, if you're looking for a better match, Hulk Hogan beating Ric Flair at Bash of the Beach 94 to win the title. That wasn't a bad match, and no. that, so they're, they're your two options for your final match. Well, Dave, it's your tournament. Who's the who's the greatest WCW champion of all time according to this oh, tournament? Then I'm going with the uh, Ric Flair beating Hulk Hogan, just because I think Ric Flair should be the greatest WCW champion. Patrick, what do you think? I totally agree. Yeah, I guess. I, and if we were going to talk about matches, I like the I like the Hogan versus Flair from the Bash, but um, for the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish, Ric Flair is without a doubt the greatest WCW champion of all time. So uh, great job putting that tournament together, Dave. I really like it. Um, I like what you put together here. Pretty fun stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to look at some of the limitations that WCW had with its world titles. Um, and, and, you know, I would have loved to see that Sting versus Cactus Jack match um, from Beach Blast. You know, that's a great one. Even Flair versus uh, Rude. They had that match at, uh, match at the uh, Fall Brawl 93, but I think that was for the international title. Um, so you get all these little you get these little title situations in WCW that kind of hamstrung them. Um, and, and let me tell you, when we start talking about the WWE one, you're going to see some of those interesting things where we've talked about guys only wrestling mul- or the same person, and then on top of it, these multi-man matches. And you wonder, like, what does it take to actually be a great champion um and i think without a doubt we say rick flair's probably got the best resume in terms of one-on-one matches that he won or got away with the title um i think without a doubt he goes down as one of the greatest champions of all time especially after doing something like this would you guys agree yeah absolutely i agree with that there's no doubt about it i totally agree as well yeah all right, now, Patrick, you and I sat down, and we tried to do a WWE uh, title tournament. And uh, I think we got to a pretty good point in what we had, but uh, one of the matches that I had on there uh, was a horrific 30-second uh, contest that I don't think anybody would justifiably want to see um, in a tournament like this. And then when I kind of reworked it a little bit, I had uh, when they had the world title in WWE in the 2000s. And um, I think you and I both agreed we wanted to try and keep this one as um, legitimate as possible with the WWE Championship. So um, I ended up doing this tournament today. I got it out to 16 people. Um, 
And uh, so I'm going to run through this, and, and let's talk about the WWE Championship and a championship that I feel is definitely hamstrung with the way that talent was promoted and the way that um, kind of people were put over and who they faced. Um, and the biggest thing that you'll see here, I'll talk about in just a moment, maybe one of the greatest WWE champions of all time is not on this card, and that's something that we're going to have to look in. So the first match is Steve Austin over Mankind at Over the Edge 98. That great, almost five-star match with all the shenanigans from uh, the McMahon and Patterson. And well, I think we need to check the directors on that. That's actually Dude Love. Oh, Dude Love. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Steve Austin over Dude Love at Over the Edge 98. Um, and then we go down to The Rock over Chris Benoit from Fully Loaded 2000. That infamous pay-per-view in which all the new guys got put put down by the veterans. Um, we go to Shawn Michaels over Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12, which I'm not a big fan of the match, but, uh, for the purpose of what we want to do, I wanted to put Bret Hart in here. Um, I would have liked to put Vader in that spot, but I think for the purpose of what we wanted, I wanted to have Bret Hart have a presence. Um, and then we had Undertaker versus Sid from WrestleMania 13. Now, yeah, it's not a great match, but here's the thing with the Undertaker. The Undertaker only defended that title against about four people. Um, Mankind, Sid, Vader, uh, oh, and Farouk. He did face Farouk, and then Steve Austin. And that was it in terms of one-on-one title matches that The Undertaker had. And so I was kind of hamstrung. And I guess you could add in, if we really wanted to do this, let me me backlash here. I put Undertaker over Hulk Hogan at, at Survivor Series '91. Right. That that would. Oh been- yeah, I, I, I'd go with that. I'd definitely go with that match. All right. Well, then I'm going to change it up here. Um, that was, I guess, it was one that I just kind of was slipping my mind when I was trying to put this um, thing together. So Hogan or Undertaker over Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series '91, probably one of the most shocking matches in the history of the WWE up to that point. So. Um, Hogan doesn't even get a match. He loses in the first round. Uh, pretty interesting take there with the Hulkster. Uh, we go down to the uh, bottom. He's been trying to run through. You see one of them. Yeah. Probably not a team that he's, he, he gets branded. You're cutting out on me a little bit, Dave, there. Hopefully your connection gets better. Let me go through this second half of the bracket. Um, Kurt Angle beat the Big Show at Armageddon 2003. Brock Lesnar beat John Cena at SummerSlam 2014. Uh, Triple H beat Edge at Great American Bash 19, or 2008. And then Randy Orton beat Jeff Harvey, uh, I mean Jeff Hardy, sorry, at Royal Rumble 2008. So pretty interesting uh, first round there. The one thing I wanted to say was about Hulk Hogan and the fact that Hogan – the real only legitimate champion that Hogan may have ever beat was Randy Savage, who only had uh, four title or three title matches his entire tenure on these big shows. Um, he beat Andre and he beat the One Man Gang, and then I guess you could talk about the DiBiase match since he won the title there. But then he lost to Hogan at WrestleMania Five, so Savage not a great champion. And on top of it. He beat- yeah, and he beat Flair. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about that first run. Now, you go, you, you go to the next part, and he did beat Flair, and then after that, he never had any other title matches. Um, so Savage is kind of a lackluster champion when we talk about these big-time uh, title defenses, even though some of them were pretty memorable. Um, and Hogan's the same way in terms of he had a lot of title defenses, but he beat Andre... Um, you know, and he beat a couple of these other guys. Now, this tournament, I could probably move back one more bracket and get out to 32 guys, but some of these other guys didn't beat anybody else. I look at The Rock, he never beat anybody other than Triple H and Chris Benoit for the title. All, all the other matches were multi-man matches, so we couldn't use them there. Um, and Steve Austin's the same way. Steve Austin only beat Dude Love. He only beat The Rock. And he only beat The Undertaker. 
You know, that was the that's the crazy part about Steve Austin's title reigns. And he beat Shawn Michaels. I apologize. We're going to get to that one. Um, I don't want to give too much. Let me keep going with the bracket. We'll, we'll, we'll dissect it more in just a moment. So in my quarterfinals, I had Steve Austin over the Rock at WrestleMania 17. A great contest. Shawn Michaels over the, over the Undertaker from Royal Rumble 98. Kurt Angle beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2003. And then Triple H over Randy Orton at uh, that last man standing match from One Night Only um, in 2008. Uh, Patrick, Patrick, tell me a little bit about these matches here in this round. Yeah, I really like the, the choices. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, like I was trying to say earlier, uh, WrestleMania 17, that match with Austin and Rock is probably considered amongst many to be one of the better WrestleMania main events of all time. And then Sean Taker is obviously known for uh, being a casket match and Kane's interference, but also ending Sean's career for four years. Um, and that Kurt and Brock SummerSlam match is, is something that's not talked about very often, but I thought I really enjoyed that match. Um, Honestly, like 2008 with all those Triple H Randy Orton matches, I don't really remember this one very much. But uh, <laughs> I enjoy Last Man Standing matches, so I'm sure I would have enjoyed it. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I um I agree a little bit with what Patrick said there. The the the, the first three matches in that bracket are, are all very memorable. I mean that that uh, Michael's Undertaker match. I mean it was a casket match. There was interference, but it was actually a really good match. I really I love watching that match over and over. Not for the fact I mean the, the Michael's injury hits hit, but the match is a really good, enjoyable match. The the Rock uh, Austin match is is one of the, the better matches of Austin's tenure and. Um, and like, he's, like Patrick said, Brock Lesnar's Kurt Angle at SummerSlam. I mean, it's not as good as their TV match, the, the um, Iron Man match, but gee, it's a damn good match, and it just shows how good those two guys were. Oh, yeah, and, and I mean, if you really want the great one, you put the WrestleMania match, but um, for the purpose of our bracket, we want to keep this thing going, so we go to the semifinals. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin from WrestleMania 14. Obviously, we have Steve Austin going over in that match. And then you got Kurt Angle beating Triple H from Royal Rumble 2001. Um, so a little bit of tomfoolery here. No way I'm having Triple H going to the finals with all the shit that he's pulled. So um, <laughs> I, I, I love I love the idea of that Michaels and Austin match. It's a really fun one. And I think Kurt Angle's real big coming out party in 2001 uh, beating Triple H. I, I, I really like that Hell in a Cell uh, match from 2000, but I thought this was a really good win for Trip or Kurt Angle, even with the chicanery of Steve Austin. Um, who knows that he doesn't want to face Triple H in the finals, so he comes out and costs uh, costs him the match here. Um, I'm going to kind of keep going here with uh, Kurt Angle versus uh, Steve Austin in the in the finals uh, from Unforgiven 2001. Um, a great contest, I think, with. Kurt Angle beating Steve Austin to become the uh, greatest WWE champion of all time. Um, interesting match, interesting choice. But I do think Angle is is one of the most uh, workers, uh, the the working man champion here um, with what he did throughout his tenure and, and all the guys he put over and what he did. And um, it felt good to give him a chance there. Um, I'm going to try and get a word from Dave and Patrick here in just a second, um, and we'll, and we'll kind of wrap up our, our tournament edition here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, you know, we talk about this final matchup, Kurt Angle defeating, uh, Steve Austin for the, uh, WWE championship at Unforgiven 2001, um, Obviously, it's a, a, t- a gutsy call to have Kurt Angle be our number one WWE champion. What do you guys think about that uh, that decision? Well, I think um, I mean I think it just goes to show how good Kurt Angle was between two thousand, you know, when he debuted in two thousand through to sort of two thousand and two. He was just phenomenal. I mean, he rose, he came through so quickly, but he was just so good so quickly. And I, I don't have a problem with this. He put on great matches with everyone. We talked, we were talking before about the semi-final matches that he had. I mean, he was just phenomenal in that time period. And uh, you know, this, this in two thousand and two, is it two thousand and one? Sorry, in this, uh, in this time period, he was just so good. I think you know, if he, if they didn't have everything that was going on in the company, the buying out of WCW, I think. He would have had a longer championship reign at this point. He was just—he really is one of the best ever. Yeah, Patrick, what do you think? I totally agree. It's—it's it's a you know a surprising pick to some, but if you look at his body of work between that time period 
And, you know, I mean, just look at all – and Steve Austin, too. I mean, his work during this 2001 era is underrated, to say the least. And this match here where Kurt wins is such a good match. But just the body of work that Kurt has between 2000 and 2002, 2003 even, um, it's just so good. So, I mean, it really works out, especially in this tournament. Yeah, and I think the big thing that I look at is is – how much did they contribute to the title? I thought Kurt Angle held the title with such high regard. It's like, this is mine. I will face anybody who wants to face me for it, and I will beat anybody in my way. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was so good at that at that piece of the, of the puzzle. And I think he was so different, too. Like, at that time period, you had... You had Rock, Hunter, and, and Austin, who all were very similar in how they worked in the ring. And here comes Steve uh, Kurt Angle with just a completely different style that really just made him so compelling to watch and so compelling to see as champion. And his legitimate background just makes it feel real. Yeah, I, I complete. I mean, to my and when I look at like we talked about with Ric Flair with the WCW one, when I think about a champion. This is who I think about. I think about Kurt Angle. He is a guy that, in my opinion, was the man. You know, he was a champion's champion, a working man's champion. And, and the guy who I would, if I mean, you give me draft picks and I'm starting a promotion, I'll be damned if Kurt Angle isn't my top five people to start a promotion from. Oh, absolutely. But. And I think, you know, I think, I think if, if, if it hadn't been... Hadn't been at the t- like at that point in his career, if there wasn't so much backstage politics going on with with Hunter and Austin and all that, I think he would have had longer and more compelling championship reigns. And you look at you look at what happened when he moved to SmackDown. That was the, that was the thing. He was he was the SmackDown champion, and it was because they allowed him to carry that promotion and that brand for so long. Um, I mean, it, it's it's really something to be told about who he was as a worker. And, you know, now with TNA and everything, it's kind of like, you know, blah. But you even look, just maybe not now, but when he first jumped to TNA, I know we don't really cover these guys much, but when he first jumped to TNA, in my eyes, that really legitimized them for just a little period of time. When he first jumped, when he was at the top of the card early on, after he just left WWE, yep. he really that really made you think, these guys could be going somewhere. Unfortunately... They stuffed up the booking, they didn't use him properly and all that sort of jazz, and we all know what TNA's like. But when he first went, I was sitting there going, man, they, they could be coming a legitimate threat if they want. Oh, yeah. And that first series he had with Joe, um, I didn't have a problem with him beating Joe the first time, but the second time I thought Samoa Joe should have beat him, uh, no questions about it, and so they could set up the rubber match. Instead, they kill they kill off Joe, and, and you know, the rest is history. Um so let's run through one more time our tag team tournament. We had the winners uh, in the finals. We had the Brainbusters defeating uh, the Road Warriors at Starcade 1987. The Intercontinental Title match, uh, the tournament we had Razor Ramon defeating um, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10. And Dave, what was the event that we had Ric Flair beating uh, Hulk Hogan at for WCW? Uncensored 99. Uncensored 99. And then we just talked about Unforgiven 2001 Kurt Angle um, winning the WWE tournament. So you look at WWE champion Kurt Angle, best of all time, maybe, if we go by these rules. Ric Flair, best WCW champion of all time. Uh, Razor Ramon, maybe the best Intercontinental champion of all time. I think that we don't have Jericho in that, and I would like to see some uh, if we could put that together with Jericho. But, again, you, there's no way you're going to get Jericho versus Razor Um but by the basis of the tournament, you know, Razor's the man to beat. And then you go down and you say uh, the tag teams, the Brain Busters, you know, they figure out a way to win with the, the parameters of the tournament. So uh, a pretty pretty fun project that we were able to put together here. Um, I want to apologize when we do the editing for this. It's going to be kind of kind of hit and miss um, with the way the internet connection was working, but it was great to sit down with you guys here tonight and, and put this thing together. Um, it's been a fun little project, and... Um, we'll see what the future of the Low Blow Booking Podcast holds, but um, if we can continue to come up with fun ideas like this, I think it's uh, a pretty good future for uh, you know us and, and some of the other people that listen and some of the things we put together. It's always it's always fun to do these with you guys, and uh, I just want to say, can you imagine, you talk about rebooking, can you imagine a little group, Tully and Arn, Ric Flair and Kurt Angle? 
There oh. you go. There's a little there's a little group for you. Yeah, that would that would be interesting <laughs> to see. <laughs> Um, well, you know, thank you guys so much. Uh, any last words on the tournament here, Patrick? Uh, it was fun doing these. I actually, was, when you guys were telling me about making the other tournaments, I came up with a, I would come up with a couple different ideas for different titles, and it's just these things are so much fun. Coming up with your own parameters and trying to set up tournaments and trying to work within these ideas, and I think we have so many more ideas to come for future podcasts that will. We won't run out of ideas anytime soon. Absolutely. Dave, any last words? Uh, look, I, it, it's always fun. It, it, it's a challenge. I, I challenge anyone at home to try and uh, put together some of these tournaments and see what you come up with. It is not easy. But, look, I, we've had fun. I think there's some good matches we talked about tonight. And, uh, you know, that's what this is all about, talking about what we what we love, the, the sport of professional wrestling. Yep, and, and having some fun with it. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Give us a like. Give us a share on Facebook, Twitter, or any other uh social media and let your friends know about what we're doing we're going to try and continue to build our brand here and uh maybe try and like we always say try and be more consistent but sometimes the real world uh you know slaps us in the face with reality so uh we're going to continue to try and put out a great product for you and i want to thank everybody for tuning in uh listening and uh you know getting us out there for the people so uh with that um again our fantasy tournament rebooking where we had to use matches that happened uh the brain busters the greatest tag team of all time we've got razor ramon the greatest ic champion of all time we've got rick flair the greatest wcw champion of all time and perhaps kurt angle the greatest wwe champion of all time so ladies and gentlemen this is the low blow booking podcast we thank you for joining us here tonight we hope you have a great safe weekend and uh you guys have a good night all right you too all right see ya